Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Hmm, Holy Spirit's working already. What do the four Gospels have in common? What do all four Gospels have in common? While you're thinking about it, let me remind you to do something. Tomorrow, around 3 o'clock, the cheer team is headed to Florida for nationals. And our prayer is not that they end up on ESPN or they come back with a great trophy, although we would like that. Our prayer for them is that they maintain spiritual focus in doing what God has gifted them to do. So as you think about the cheer team traveling, pray for them. What are the four things, or what are, no, four things. What are, what are some of the commonalities in the four Gospels? What are they? Story of the resurrection. Story of the resurrection. What else? Yeah, talk about Jesus. Show us Jesus' life. What else? The parables. Yeah. Stories. Stories about Jesus and his teaching. What else? God inspired. You bet. Let me tell you something that you may or may not know that is common in all the Gospels. A thread that runs through all four of them. The disciples never pray. Now what is that about? They're with Jesus, they're being taught, and they don't even pray. Boy, that lets me off the hook. That liberates me in this whole thing, this whole Christianity thing. If they didn't have to pray, why in the world should I have to? Why should you? Well, I think there's some reasons why we don't see them praying. Or maybe we should ask the question, did they really not pray? Was there another form that prayer took in their lives? I don't know. These are questions we have to examine. But in Matthew chapter 6, verses, uh, beginning with verse 5, and over in Luke 11, beginning with verse 1, we see that Jesus teaches what? The Lord's Prayer. Yeah, very good. Be bold, be bold. If you know it, say it. The Lord's Prayer. We see that, he, they, that Jesus teaches them what we would call the Lord's Prayer. And basically we would say, and we've been taught, most of us, that this is a formula for prayer, that we should use this in prayer. But let's look at this upon closer examination. First of all, let me say this. Jesus prayed. We see him pray. There are 17 references to Jesus praying. And there are basically four categories that we see Jesus praying about. Number one, critical moments in his life, he goes to God and says, you know, even, you know, can this cup pass, Lord? I, I'd rather not drink from this cup. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Yeah. Critical moments before he goes on the cross. Critical moments we see Jesus praying. You have critical moments in your life. I have critical moments in my life where we run to God and say, whoo, this is a bad one. I need help. Critical moments. The other, uh, an another uh, time that we see Jesus pray is during his ministry. When he's engaged in ministry, we see him praying. When he is involved in doing miraculous kinds of things, we see him praying. And then we see him praying for others. And then there are times that Jesus withdraws from the crowd. Many references where Jesus withdraws from the crowd and he spends time alone with the Father. So we, we have this example from Jesus 
on prayer, but we don't have an example of the disciples praying until we get over into the book of Acts. Or do we? Okay. So he teaches them prayer, about prayer and how to pray. <coughs> and he prefaces it by saying, and when you which means that prayer is not an ap option. He's saying prayer is not an option, it is an expectation. In other words, <clears throat> just don't assume, guys, that you, you don't have to pray. He said it is an expectation that I have for you, gentlemen, to pray. And then he teaches them how to pray. But again, there's a preface before he teaches them how to pray. And the preface is this. He says, when you pray, and when you pray, do not pray like the, the Pharisees or the hypocrites. Because what are they doing? They're standing in the street in their fine garments declaring, Oh God! And then they look around to see if anybody's watching. Basically, their prayers were prayers of grandeur, show, flash. Look at me, I am a celebrity praying and I have a direct connection with God. He says, don't pray like them because their heart's impure. Remember what he called them? Whitewashed sepulchers, whitewashed tombs. These people are empty inside. They're dead inside. They look good on the outside. They're dead inside. Don't pray like them, he says. And then they, uh, he talks about the pagans. Don't pray like them either. Now, during this time period, you have the religious rulers who are engaged in prayer, and the disciples know how they pray. So what Jesus is telling them is really nothing new. But you have another group of, actually two other groups of people. You have the Greeks who also pray during this time, and you have pagans that pray. So they understand the culture when Jesus says, and do not be like the pagans when they pray. Now, when the Greeks prayed, what they would do is declare all the titles of the deity. They would call the deity every great title they could think of, thinking that the deity is going to respond because they're talking so much about how wonderful this deity is by sharing all of these titles. I will get the deity's attention because I'm saying nice things about them. Sort of like what happens in class, you know, with professors when you want their attention. Oh, you're the most wonderful teacher, professor I've ever had. Okay, pagans' prayers. Pagans' prayers. Pagans typically reminded the deities of all the wonderful things that they had done for them, all the sacrifices that they had made. You know, I sacrificed 14 goats for you. I did a lot. And they're always reminding the deities of the wonderful things that they did on their behalf or for them, thinking that somehow they're going to be able to manipulate the deity on contractual grounds. I do this for you. You do this for me. And Jesus says, don't pray like that. And then he gives them the formula for prayer. And our focus this morning is not the formula, although we could spend a lot of time looking at it. But I think sometimes the formula is a detractor to what God is really saying about prayer. He gives us the formula but sometimes we make it formulaic in the sense that we think that this is exactly how we should pray. Okay. First of all, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, he does say, and, I, and I'll, I'll just highlight this real quick. He says that we should address the Father respectfully. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's respectful. Then he tells them uh, that 
we can address the Father about personal topics and issues. Because when you look at the Lord's Prayer, basically we're looking at issues that pertain to us and to those around us. So, all right. Now, here's some thoughts about this whole issue of prayer and why the disciples did not pray in the manner that we think they should have or that we've been taught people should pray. First of all, at the beginning of this, uh, up in verse 6, he tells them to pray in secret, that you should pray in secret. So perhaps they thought, okay, I should pray in secret, therefore when I write about prayer, I sh oh, wait a minute, I shouldn't be talking about my prayers because if I'm supposed to pray in secret, that means I'm not supposed to tell anybody. Well, if I write it down, somebody's going to know. So maybe that was their thinking. That was their rationale. Or some would, some would say, you know, hmm, the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. Therefore, how can we pray if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being the conduit for us to reach the, the, the throne of Jesus, who is our advocate sitting next to the, the Father on his right hand and talking to God on our behalf? Maybe that's it. But then why did the Jews pray? Hmm, I think there's another answer here. I think there's another thought. And this was very liberating for me in my prayer life, as my prayer life has evolved. This has been very liberating for me. Maybe it will be for you. Now, if you have a regimen of prayer already established, and what I'm saying doesn't make sense to you, that's fine. This is not necessarily for you. You've got it figured out. It took me a while to get this figured out. For those of you that struggle with this whole issue of prayer, like me, then perhaps this will be of some uh, assistance to you in connecting with God. All right. If we look at the Gospels, what are the Gospels? They are books written about Jesus and the way that he taught, the way that he lived. We see him asking rhetorical questions. We see him in monologues, in dialogues. We see him performing miracles. We see him doing manifestations of, of various kinds. We see him debating people. We see him uh, telling stories. We see all kinds of teaching methodology in the Gospels. So he is in the process of showing the disciples many different things. So he is in the process of teaching them. And they are learning. And in all of this, they are asking him questions. For instance, these are some of the, as I went through the Gospels, these, this isn't uh, definitive at all, but these are some of the, the issues that are raised in the four Gospels. Greed, trust, spiritual blindness, discipleship, pride, responsibility, forgiveness, healing, the Sabbath, repentance, rejection, and fame, righteousness, civic issues, the kingdom, the father and son connection, ministry, meeting needs, dealing with disputes, second coming, Holy Spirit, the law, betrayal, loss, grief, joy, and contentment. Huh. Those are a lot of the issues that I wrestle with. Those are a lot of the questions that I ask. And I bet you do too. God, how do I deal with someone who has betrayed me? How do I deal with grief? How do I deal with feeling joy and not feeling guilty because I feel joy and somebody else is suffering? How is it that I live life and wrestle with it? What does that ultimately look like for me? And those are the same questions that these guys are asking. So what we see unfolding in the four Gospels as it relates to the disciples, though they are not in a particular uh, 
posture of prayer and there are postures of prayer listed in scripture being prostrate before God laid out standing before God hands lifted up hands out and kneeling those are the postures of prayer listed in scripture not any of them at any given time is the absolute correct undeniable way to pray did you hear that you don't have to be on your knees to communicate with God you don't have to be prostrate to be to communicate with God you don't have to have your hands out or up to communicate with God those postures of prayer if that is the focus is not praying your focus is on going through a legal process that somebody has told you you must do and I don't find that anywhere in scripture now can you use those should you use those yes depending on what type of prayer you're engaging in and I'm not going to tell you how and when to do that that is it between you and the Lord there are times when you're going to just feel so humble before God that you're going to kneel and you may end up flat on your face you may even be like uh, some of the Old Testament prophets and kings ripping your garments. That's between you and the Lord. But the focus in the Gospels is not on posture and it's not on prose. That is what to say. Because Jesus directly tells the disciples, do not pray like them and them the Greeks, the pagans, and the Jews many times had certain prose that they would use. Now, does that mean you can't use fixed prayers? No, as long as they're genuine. So what we see is prayer is a relationship with Jesus, and these guys were relating to Jesus, and by relating to him and asking these questions of the issues that we ask questions about, they, in fact, are praying because they're talking to God or the Son of God, the God incarnate in the flesh. They are communicating to God. They are, in, a, in essence, praying daily, constantly, raising the questions. So when we pray, how do we pray? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that prayer is not prose or position. It's a relationship. And I would submit this to you. You do not need a designated time to pray. If that helps you, great. You don't need it, though. You can pray walking to class. You can pray watching the news. This is something that God revealed to me a long time ago. I was watching a news program, and I thought, isn't that terrible? Something was happening, unfolding. I thought, isn't that awful? That's terrible. And then God revealed to me, wait a minute. Don't just sit there and think it's awful and terrible. Pray about it. The other day I was reading the newspaper about a little girl that uh, half her brain is larger than the other. It's a, some kind of medical condition. And I was reading this article and I began to pray for her and her family because of, rather than just blow by the article. I didn't have to go into a closet somewhere. I mean, I was, nobody knew I was praying. I prayed in secret. But I was praying at that moment. And so you can pray to cl at going to class. You can pray anywhere at any time. 
and we, I think, need to be liberated from this idea that when you have devotion, you're supposed to have prayer, and you're supposed to do it at a certain time. If you don't have it at a certain time, you're, gonna, you, you're missing all this opportunity. Pray without ceasing, is what Paul tells us. And what that means is you can pray anytime, anywhere. Pray during class. Oh, I was just praying. No. <laughs> I don't know who wrote this. A major departure in the method of prayer introduced by Jesus, this is, I think this is good, was that the disciples should ask the Father in the name of Jesus, not a magic formula, but rather the new ground in which the worshiper stands, a new plea for the success of his petitions, a new mind within which the prayer is conceived. Thus, the aim of prayer is not to make God change his will, but to enable disciples of Jesus to change their minds and dispositions as they are molded by the Spirit. Essentially, what he's saying is it's a relationship, and the relationship is ongoing all the time, and so prayer is talking to God whenever, during whatever. So let me encourage you that whenever you see these words, or hear these words, that let it be a reminder that prayer is not posture our pros, it is a relationship. And we want to focus on that for our benediction as Janet comes and sings the Lord's Prayer. <laughs>